Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Free Parking Show. With your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter. Four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. All right, you're listening to the Free Parking Show here on Spreaker Radio. Uh, Tuesday night, of course, means it's a beers and cheers show. Me and Amos Conway here. Ready to drink some beer and talk some sports with you guys. Uh, as we start every Beers and Cheers show, uh, we'd like to let you know what we're sipping on tonight. So what are you drinking tonight, Amos? I'm drinking uh, water with a hint of yeast, also known as Bud Light. <laughs> oh, that's the good stuff right there. I'm actually... Going even cheaper, I'm drinking Keystone Light. But if you ask me, the better of the two beers. Uh, I would so. rather drink Keystone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. If you're out there listening to us tonight, uh, we'd love to hear from you. at their text in line here. So send us a text at five two. Or I mean, excuse me, two five two. Six two one two zero six five. We'd love to hear from you tonight. We have a lot of stuff to cover, uh, so we're gonna hop right into it now. We're gonna start out with this Neymar thing. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, you know Neymar, one of the the best soccer players uh, in the entire world. And we don't cover soccer much on this show, uh, but pretty big news. You know, he's uh, he, evidently he's has some. Uh, tax evasion problems where they say he owes like about 50 million American dollars uh, to like Brazil's um, version of the IRS uh, because you know and back taxes and now they've uh, frozen his assets and, and his uh, his money As, uh, there was several accounts real estate a yacht was all seized and, and all of this so Amos well right before this we started the show Amos had, like, a really interesting take on this, and I want you to, like, share it with the people, because this is pretty interesting. I think that you might be on to something here. All right, so I don't know if anyone's heard or how many people read Keep Up the Olympics, but there was a story that got released with the Olympics being in Brazil this summer that some of the water that they want the, the free swimmers to swim in has tested positive for, like, MRSA and flesh-eating bacteria. It even put a British swimmer, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head, uh, she came, she went over there to swim, kind of get a feel for the water, and when she got back to Britain, she spent, like, a week in the hospital with MRSA, and they found, like, a, like traces of, like, flesh-eating bacteria. So my theory with this Neymar thing is... He's probably owed these back taxes more than just this year. It's probably been an ongoing thing. And, and I think it's honestly, I think he's becoming, like, I, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it started happening to more people because I think he's becoming a scapegoat. I think he's a guy where Brazil may not have necessarily the money backing to go in there and try to fix the water because from what I've heard, they've done very little. They've actually even, like, really refuse to even like talk about it or deal with it publicly at all there's an ioc committee member who was speaking up like hey listen we need to change the venue this is not safe for our olympians he was basically told over and over to be quiet and then eventually forced to resign or step down from his position so my thing is, is yeah okay it's good tax evasion never a good thing like yes i do believe that you know, all that, all the assets being frozen and taken back, you know, part of it, but I think a bigger part of it is Brazil looking for money, looking for something that way, because, I mean, you're hosting the Olympics. 
every country in the world participating, hundreds of countries are going to be focused in on this. And free swimming is not a huge thing, but when this story breaks, and it will, it's going to have so much focus that it, I, I think the venue will probably end up being changed because I know it's a certain body of water that they're talking about. And I, I think he's a scapegoat. I think it's a fall. And I think Brazil kind of backed itself in a corner and now it's trying to fight back to do whatever it can. And if that means taking down one of the, you know, the most popular player in Brazil or soccer or whatever, football, like, yeah, no, they're going to do it because taking down one guy rather than having every other country try to take you down for what happens to their Olympians when they come over is way better. Yeah, I think that you're on to something here. It's a good point. Uh, you know, it definitely draws attention away. And that's uh, unbelievable to me that the swimming water has MRSA and, like, flesh-eating virus. Uh, and they expect all the, you know, the best swimmers in the entire world to come and compete. Uh, definitely weird. As for, like, the, the Neymar thing, I think that, um, you know, he makes uh, a pretty, uh, pretty penny playing soccer. Uh, pay your taxes, right. man. I mean, come on, just pay your taxes. Uh, you know, or move to a different country where you get lower taxes, whatever. I don't know what Brazil's taxes are like, but, I mean, you make enough money where you can afford to, to pay your taxes. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting take that you had on that, Amos. I thought that was pretty good. Um, moving on to the next thing, and this is pretty dark. Uh, something I hadn't heard of, and Amos brought it to my attention, uh, but Ronda Rousey said that uh, she was in so much uh, despair and um, felt so bad after the Holly Holm fight last year when she lost that uh, she was thinking about suicide. She was contemplating suicide. Uh, what do you make of this, Amos? Well, I see it as a smokescreen because as much as... As much as like, yes, yeah, some fighters may actually compliment or you know contemplate contemplate that. I don't think Ronda Rousey is. I think she's, uh, I think she's got enough confidence and she's headstrong enough to where, if they lost and you're undefeated and you're built up, and yeah, you lost, it's devastating. But I think it's, it's a lot of it's a smokescreen because then you kind of point the attention, oh Ronda Rousey, and then you kind of take it off of you know what Holly Holm did, which was absolutely amazing. Like, I don't know if, not sure what Holly Holmes' record is, but I'm pretty sure she's undefeated in MMA. And I'm pretty sure even as, like, a boxer, kickboxer, she's only lost, like, three matches. So, as much as everybody loves Ronda Rousey and wants to build her up, Holly Holmes done, has done just as much. If not more, she just has, Ronda Rousey has a name. And Ronda Rousey is, she's not just a fighter anymore. Holly Holm is a fighter. Ronda Rousey is a celebrity, actress, and I think that stuff got in the way, and she's even postponed another fight to make another movie. So, I mean, with all the glory that comes with acting and stuff, that, yeah, that takes away from your fighting. But don't, come on. Don't come out and be like, oh, I, I contemplated committing suicide. Like, that's something that you keep, even if you did, that's something I believe you keep to a close circle. It's not something you come out and you just say publicly. Especially with someone like her, where nobody, I don't think, would expect it to come out of her mouth. And I, I do. I think it's a, personally, I think it's a PR stunt. Yeah, this, I mean, this definitely, um, it's sad news to hear any anytime that anybody has an issue uh, like this, uh, you know, where suicide is, uh, you know, brought up. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if she's trying to play it up. But it has to be tough. Uh, you know, because her entire identity was kind of, her, her entire like, persona was bitter on the fact that she was, like, this unbeatable uh, person, and, and then Holly Holm, you know, controlled her, uh, pretty much a whole fight dominated her. Uh, and I think that's why you, you, you talked about, like, putting her fights on hold to do the movies. I think that's why she is now. It's, it's smart marketing for her is... To make the money that she can and get her foot like in the in the acting door, so if she keeps losing fights, uh, at least she has money from uh, you know made the money that she could while she was famous, or you know maybe find fame uh, outside of uh, the octagon in movies and such like that. Uh, definitely, I agree. definitely weird news though, and it, uh, I don't know, just. I mean, I'm a sore loser. I'm a real sore loser, but I can't. 
imagine being uh, that wrapped up in a loss uh, that I'd want to to kill myself over it, you know. Well, I mean, I think realistically, most of these fighters understand going in that eventually it's going to happen. I think with I think that's you know you never think it's going to happen any time you fight, but I think the reality is is you're. I mean, I guess it's easier to say as a fan is that there's always going to be someone better. But when you've always been better than other people and you've seen the way, you know, you've always spoke people up like, hey, they're a good fighter and stuff. And Holly Holm did the same thing with her to where, like, I don't know. I just, it's hard for me. Like, if it is, yeah, she needs, obviously I feel bad and I hope she finds help in some way or another because I don't think that would be worth it at all for the kind of person that she seems to be. But I don't know. It just, something seems off with it with me for the whole thing and I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't seem right right on Namus's take there uh, so we're gonna move on out of that world out of the world of uh, fighting and soccer and people having all these kinds of issues we're gonna move on um, to the world of the NFL here Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins uh, have today stopped uh, contract negotiations are going to put them on hold. Uh, there's no further talks scheduled. This is all per Adam Schefter, uh, of course, of uh, the NFL Network. Uh, you know, the free agency doesn't officially begin until March 12th, so they have, you know, about a month to come up with a deal uh, before, you know, free agency starts. You don't want to end up overpaying anybody, of course. You know, that's not what you want to do. Um... Do you think that they're going to end up working out a deal where Cousins does get a lot of money here? Yes. I I think he's going to end up getting a lot of money from a standpoint from a fan. Like, whoa, you know, that's a ton of money. But I'm not sure what the number is. I'm not heard, actually, I've not heard anything on a number that they've, like, were, you know, arguing about or in between. But I'm assuming Kirk Cousins is probably looking somewhere between my guess 16 and 18 million consider some of these quarterbacks are getting paid you know more even more than that and like yes Kirk Cousins had an amazing really really good breakout season proved he could start in the season and run that offense that Jay Gruden has and he could run it efficiently and effectively but to me you see quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill most notably even like even Andy Dalton you see these guys just grossly overpaid for doing absolutely nothing in the league. And I just, I think the Redskins are trying to protect themselves from that. And I don't blame them because with the whole RG3 debacle, like, yeah, you weren't paying him that money, but you paid the Rams a ton of money and draft picks. I mean, not money, but money as in like, you know, the compensation for draft picks and stuff. And I just, I think they're, it's a safeguard for them where they're like, Hey, listen, if you can give us another year and prove that you can do this again and even go 10 and six or 11 and five and be efficient, we'll give you the money, but we're not going to give you that money based off of one season. And that is the problem is it is really just one season here. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, he doesn't make much, uh, considering, uh, you know, being a quarterback in the NFL, you know, compared to most right now. But he stands to make a, a decent amount. They're saying that they can franchise tag on him. But if they do that, it's $20 million for one season uh, for that franchise tag. Yeah, I, it's such a, it's such a like, uh, what a terrible corner to be in if you're the Redskins. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't want to pay him 17 or 16 a year, but if you franchise tag him, then you have to pay him 20, like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is tough, you know, because he is, uh, he, he did show a lot of promise. I mean, he looked, at times this year, he looked like the best quarterback in the NFL at times. Uh, I mean, there was definitely weeks where you would just uh, watch him just, I mean, dominate the the way that he played, just just took over games. Um, but, you know, you, you also saw the rookie year that RG3 had when uh, he seemed to dominate every defense that he came up against and, and looked pretty unstoppable and then that was the last time he looked competent behind the center. You know, so you don't want to end up doing that again, you know, paying 
you know, you don't want to end up be getting that Jamarcus Russell contract that, you know, they giving up the big contract to a guy that's not going to be uh, with your team or not going to be able to help your team long term. And he has only had the one season, so it is a sticky situation. Uh, but the thing is, is they're kind of stuck right now because you're either going to pay him or lose him because somebody will pay him. Right. You know, the need for quarterback in the NFL is too much. Somebody will pay him the money that he's looking for. Uh, so for them, that you either pay him or you lose him, and you gotta be confident. Uh, not that he's gonna be the best quarterback around or, or whatnot, but the best quarterback that you can get for your team. Yeah, my, I, I guess my biggest problem with, like I said, I don't know the number, but to me there were yes, Kirk Cousins had a great season. Problem is too is. That defense kind of came on near the end more than what they did at the beginning, obviously. They're 9-7. and seven. The games that are memorable to me that stick out, other than, yes, they came back the so many points on Tampa Bay. But against Carolina, against New England, and then the playoff game against Green Bay, where he was, his inability to just do anything efficiently as a quarterback, like that, I think that's the biggest thing he has against him right now. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, he, he does, he because he, he looks so brilliant in some games, but he definitely had bad games uh, throughout the season um, and, and points where he just came across really stagnant, uh, you know. But for the most part, played a really good season, especially t- as the season wore on. Towards the end of the year, he looked good um, outside of that playoff game. Uh, but I'm going to ask your opinion on this. What do you think... Uh, ends up happening with this. How do you think that this ends up playing out? I think he gets something kind of like how Cincinnati did with um, Andy Dalton, where there's going to be he's going to get his money and it's going to be a bunch of money up front. But on the back end, after two or three, after like let's say two seasons to where he doesn't do anything or shows much improvement, where they can basically cut him and clear the cap space with little to no penalty. I, I, I see the, the Dalton contract come into play here. See, I, the, I'm going to disagree a little bit just because I think that he's going to get, because of how desperate teams are to find a quarterback like this, I think that he, he's going to get a, a favorable contract uh, because he did show flashes of brilliance uh, and he knows that he can go get it elsewhere, you know. If uh, the Redskins don't want to give him to him, the Texans will, the Browns will, the Rams will uh, give him that kind of contract. So I think that yeah, it sucks for the Redskins, uh, but I think that they're kind of stuck. They have to give him, uh, you know, that kind of money uh, and that kind of contract where where he gets you know a little bit more um, of what he wants, a little bit more of uh, how would I say this, but um. A little bit more like favorable language in his contract, where you know he you just can't leave him hanging, cut and dry, and whatnot. Um, but we'll see. I mean, to play out, I still think that he ends up with the Redskins. I don't think that they're going to do anything to uh, to lose him. You know, with with the how unsteady uh, the you know the quarterback situation would be if they did lose him. So real quick, we're going to talk about uh, UCLA linebacker Miles Jack won't be able to fully participate at the combine uh, because of the the pre-existing injuries uh, to his knee. Uh, what do you, do you think that this really hurts? Um, and how bad does it hurt his draft uh, stock, Amos? Oh, I think it. I think it does a tremendous hit to it. Because I know, I think he's going to do like limited things at his pro day in the combine. But here's the thing: it, it all depends on what those are. And quite frankly, that obviously that knee is not healing like it should have been, or there was more extensive damage than anybody really at the time let out, thinking, "All right, well, by the time this all comes around, he will be healed. He'll be fine. He'll be better. It'll be a thing in the past." It worries for me for him because he is—he's a very, very good linebacker, and I think. You know, all if health all goes good, I think he has a very bright future in the NFL, but I think it does a lot of damage to his stock because, yes, 
I mean, he he was what probably a top ten projected pick, and now it's he's just kind of sitting there floating. And if I mean, if nothing improves, he could drop to third, fourth, even further down the draft. I mean, it could get bad enough to where nobody just wants to take the risk, like unless it's in the you know fifth, sixth, seventh round, to where your guys are fifty fifty anyways, whether you're going to hit them, hit or miss on them. I mean, that's like that in all the rounds. But you're talking about a first round pick top 10 pick if you're going to draft a guy like that you need to know that he is going to be able to immediately step in or at least come back at full health and step in and make a difference and at this point I don't know if anybody thinks that I'm gonna agree here uh you know it's I think it does it's gonna hurt I think this could because the the injury is a big question, you know, and uh, especially playing at that outside linebacker position, you know, you take a lot of punishment going into the NFL. Um, he's an exceptional athlete. I think that everybody knows that, and he, you know, he is projected top ten, uh, you know, player if a hundred percent healthy. I think this pushes him to that late, uh, late first round area now, you know, where he's he's gonna going to start heading towards like that playoff team area uh, of the first round of the draft um, because of this which would be hard uh, for him because of, you know there's a there's a big difference in your rookie salary uh, you know dropping that far is a pretty big drop in pay uh, for your rookie salary so you know if he turns out to be the player that he's capable of being then it won't be a big deal uh, because he'll get paid down the road uh, but you know, if the injuries is, you know, something like that as a person, uh, you know, for personally for him, that it could be very detrimental to the amount of money that he can make, uh, off of his talent. Um, but he's an exceptional player and I think that, uh, he will slide and hopefully he can, he can stay healthy, uh, and someone will get an absolute steal of a pick, uh, you know, getting a top 10 player, uh, towards the late end of the first round. Absolutely. I, I think the best thing he has going for him, too, is that he is a pass-rushing outside linebacker. And after what Denver showed, especially in their playoff run, about what these outside linebackers can do in the right scheme, especially if it's a team that runs like a 3-4, I think some teams will – I think it'll get to the point where he's on the board. And even the team like – all right, the team, a team like the Steelers – because the Steelers are known not to necessarily draft by need, but value on the board, they may be a team that looks at him and goes, all right, yeah, no, he's worth the risk. Let's take him. Because they do. They are great at developing linebackers. They have good linebackers now. And that may be actually the best spot for him to go, somewhere where he can sit even for a year and develop or, you know, get fully healthy, develop, and come back next year. And then all of a sudden, this, yeah, like you said, Pittsburgh has to steal the draft. Yeah, absolutely, and you bring up a great point too. Is they've Pittsburgh has a long history of developing, um, you know, some of the best linebackers in the entire league. Uh, you know, they have decades and decades of proof of that. And I think you bring up a good point too that the value is pretty high uh, given what what Denver just did was able to do. Uh, you know, this season that I think drives that value up. Everybody's going to want to try to um, use that as a prototype and be like, "Look, we can win games uh, with almost no quarterback as long as we have, uh, you know, a guy that's this good uh, as a pass rushing or a pass rushing unit that's this good." Um, and then the next thing we're going to go one last thing uh, in the NFL before we move out of the NFL here, uh, Roger Goodell. Everybody's it's kind of gotten big now because uh, everybody's learning how much exactly the NFL commissioner is making, uh, and it looks like you know in the last two years he's taken a ten million dollar pay cut, uh, but he's don't feel bad for him because he's still making about thirty four point one million dollars, which uh, Amos sent me when we were t- talking back and forth about things to talk on the show. Amos come up with this idea. And when I looked up to do a little research on it, I, my mind was blown. I had no idea. I'd never uh, heard anything or seen anything about how much he makes. So when I saw the, the figure that right now, you know, he made $34.1 million in 2014. Uh, he was making 442 uh, you, you know, in 2012. It, it's just a mind-blowing 
that he, and then it makes you really, you know, because of the of you know the spotty job, I guess you could say that he has done. Uh, that makes you even more unacceptable that he's making this much money, don't you think? I all right, so. But I'm actually kind of 50-50 on this because, yes, he has done a spotty job. He has made some very, very bad calls and probably went about things a little wrong, obviously, in the way he handled things and the way he just kind of kind of just whole, skipped the whole fair due process kind of thing. And But the other half of me is like, all right, well, he's a great marketer, and this comes off of a league revenue, and the – NFL is probably more popular than what it's ever been. People are buying more jerseys than they've ever bought. Ticket prices are probably more expensive than what they've ever been. He's done a great job doing what the owners want him to do as far as making them money. In return, he makes money. And, like, I've never been a big jersey guy. I have very, very few jerseys I've ever bought in my life just because I – I don't know. There's just been something always about it. Like, I'll buy hoodies and stuff, but as far as, like, jerseys, I don't know. I've got very few. I've even got very few hoodies. But the thing is with me is it doesn't upset me as much as it may other people because, I mean, when it comes down to it, he's making this money, and he's making it, you know, because what the owners have been able to get off of it. And as fans, we're all a part about or we're all a part of the money that he's making. So it's hard for me to really – be mad at what he's doing, what he's making, when I'm helping him make it. Yeah, that's a fair point too, you know, and it's, uh, and you know, you expect being in that position, uh, you know, being the figurehead of a, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar industry, um, and you know, the largest uh, sport in uh, America, that you would make a lot of money, um, but I guess just not being, uh, you know, not being a Roger Goodell fan and then seeing that he makes that much, your knee-jerk reaction, reaction, just like, oh damn it, like, like yeah, just, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that was my first thing when I saw that. When I was just like looking up some of the stats and stuff, some of the money that he's made, um, and I saw like ten million dollar pay cut, and I was just like. That was the first thing that I saw was $10 million pay cut. And my first thought was just like, Phew, that has to be like, what, like half of what he makes? It, like at least. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you, you would see, hope that, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you see that like what he makes and you're just like, no way, come on. Like, uh, you know, that's, but you know, it, it is fair. He does, he is the figurehead of a, um, whether he should be or not. He is the figurehead of, you know, the largest sport in North America. Uh, and, he, you know, it, it stands to reason that he would make that kind of money. We actually got our first text in uh, of the night. Remember, everybody that's listening out there, you can text in at 252-621-2065. And it says that Roger Goodell should be paid $34.1, not million. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, obviously, no, and even like I get it. the commissioner should be paid, but to me, that job position is more of a privilege than it. You know what I mean? Like it should be more absolutely. of a privilege. Uh, no, absolutely, I'm gonna agree with you there too. And it, you want someone that is, is making a difference, um, and, and someone that you know the discipline's definitely been an issue. Uh, you know, and it's definitely been. Um, you know, you look at some of these guys that get, like, two games for domestic violence, and then this guy's getting, like, four games for marijuana, and this guy's getting... And this, it just doesn't make sense, the punishments that are being handed out uh, for a lot of these uh, players, you know, and then uh, a lot of it was handled pretty poorly. But I will say this is... He is probably also, in all fairness, had the hardest stint... Uh, for any NFL commissioner before, um, just because of you know all of the trouble that and you know players NFL players have always gotten in trouble, but the large amount of players that get in trouble, it seems like you know five six players a month, you know they get in trouble for you know this that and the other thing uh, for drugs, domestic violence, 
uh, child abuse, um, drinking and driving, you know, it's constant issues. Uh, he's probably had the toughest uh, reign as commissioner, uh, in the, the, at least as a discipline standpoint. Um, but yeah, it does kind of... The media has made his job very hard. Was just, <laughs> you're just like, dang it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just entirely too. Uh, what well, it's like? What I know, it's 180. I don't know what the after the decimal is, but 180 million over nine years. Like, man, <laughs> like, come on. At that point, like, you're making more money, obviously, than what these players are making over that extent, and they're out there getting pummeled and just buried into the ground, depending on the position. And you know, they're getting they're tearing things and everything else. Well, that's the thing, it too. Make, it makes you feel like, like, I don't know. If I were a player, dude, I'd be completely upset. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, too, that you bring up. It, you know, he's, he's a good marketer and whatnot, but, um, you know, the NFL at this point, do, I mean, do they really need marketing? Like, you're going to watch it. Like, if you're, you know, most people are going to watch the NFL uh, every single week, you know, diehard fans, uh, you know, even, like, casual fans, you know, watching every week. Uh, on Sunday, um, and I would I would say that you know guys the players the big name players do more to drive marketing um, than anybody in any front office uh, or um, or the NFL office does really I mean that you know Peyton Manning uh, Tom Brady um, Adrian Peterson you know the bigger names uh, in the league those are the kind of guys that you're like oh that's why I like you know I'll, I'll go watch this guy like I, I I hate Pittsburgh sports you know I, I try to be impartial when I write and on the show I hate Pittsburgh sports I've always <laughs> all of my teams are against like our rivals of Pittsburgh um I love watching Le'Veon Bell run the football though I love the way he moves. Uh, you know, he's, he's just an exciting player to watch. Um, so when he was healthy this year, I'd watch Pittsburgh games just to watch Le'Veon Bell, and, and you know stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and it was completely. It had nothing I did to do with the team because I don't like the team. It had nothing to do with you know their marketing campaign at all. But it had a hundred percent to do because I like watching uh, a really good running back do his work. You know, so. Uh, you know, the, it brings up the question: like, how much does he actually? How much of a difference does he actually make? I mean, uh, in the marketing part of side of things. Well, probably. You know, honestly, probably quite a bit. I would say because there's probably a lot of people that could come in there and do that and not do nearly what he can do with the marketing. But then again, you also have to think that this is, Roger Goodell has been in the league or a part of the league for so, so many years that this is something developed over time where he's figured out what he's going to do. He's changed with it. He was by Paul Tagliabue's side during his reign. And I think it's just something that, yeah, he's adjusted what he was going to do by, you know, decades or time periods in which he's seen so, like, I, I want to say if someone else just stepped in, probably not. But if someone had the opportunity that he had by sitting around and kind of learning and understanding and figuring out what people like, what people don't like, what's going to attract people, then, yeah, I think someone else could do what he does. I mean, I would gladly, if the anybody in the NFL's uh, front office is listening, I'll gladly take the job for half of what Roger Goodell makes um, if you want to put me in charge. Um, I would take it for a quarter. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> just undercutting me. That's cold-blooded, man. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk, uh, you know, we have a, go ahead into college basketball here. Um, do have, like, some big news. Uh, I'll bring up the scores right now to go run through a couple of them. But big news for Duke, you know, they dropped out of the top 25 for the first time in, you know, a century, it seems like. And then they... Uh, they come back, uh, and you know three straight wins now. Come back and, and get back into the top twenty-five. I believe they're at twenty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, yeah, Coach K. Did, they didn't stay out for very long. Only only a couple of weeks that they were out of the top twenty-five. Yeah, well, this is also. I think we all discussed this a few weeks back when they actually dropped out of the top twenty-five. And 
you know, at the time, I, I, I thought that, you know, under Coach K, that the ship would be straight and that, it, you know, they'd get it out. And, I mean, they have. They've turned around. They did what I thought that they would do, and I thought he would get his players focused and back into it. And, you know what, good for them because I'm a big Coach K fan, not only because of Duke, but because I do watch the Olympics. And I do pay attention to world championships, basketball, and, you know, he is this year is actually his last year coaching the U.S. Uh, national men's team for basketball. And, you know, I think they're going to go out with another gold. I think he's only lost one game. So even with being, you know, having all of those egos on the team, he's always been able to keep his team focused and understanding that there is a goal, there is a mission to accomplish. And he's been able to do that with these kids on this team, and they bought into it. They didn't let themselves get down to where they just kind of gave up on the season. No, they they fought. They kept going. And I come tournament time, they're going to be a dangerous team, I think, because at this point they've learned that they have to fight for everything that they get, that kind of mentality. They've scraped their way back into the top 25. They've scraped their way back into some games. They've won some tight ones over the last few weeks. And I think come tournament time they're going to be dangerous and – I think that's all due to Coach K's mentality and what he gets his kids to buy into. You know, you hear it all the time in, in a lot of different sports. Um, when it comes into the, you know, the playoff time, you'll see a team that didn't maybe as perform as well, but you're like, oh, but they have a championship pedigree, or the, you know, they've they've been here before. They know what it takes uh, to win at this stage. Um, and in college basketball, you know, you're only there. A lot of those kids, especially programs like, you know, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, uh, Kansas, you know, these big one-and-done schools, now you're only getting them for one year. But at the most, you're getting this kid for, you know, four years uh, for the most, for the average player. Um, uh, so it's hard to build that championship pedigree. But Coach K comes with that. Uh, by himself, you know, just being that kind of coach, and he instills that in his team. Uh, even the younger guys, you can always feels like Duke has a, a quality team, even when even when they're they're at their worst. I'm gonna run through some scores here that we saw tonight, uh, or ongoing from the top 25 college basketball. Purdue, number 17, Purdue uh, beat Northwestern 16 to or 61 to 7, 71. Um, a big one. Well, big don't say rivalry. that's a low-scoring game. <laughs> Michigan State, or Michigan, excuse me, and Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State wins with a 10-point victory uh, against their hated, hated rival there. Um, number 24, Texas upsets number 10, WVU, 85-78. to 78. And ongoing right now, uh, number 13, Iowa State is uh, barely... Ahead of Bay, number twenty-five Baylor, uh, thirty-one to twenty-nine. Uh, some excellent college basketball uh, that went on tonight, uh, and now we're getting close to um, March Madness. Before we head on to the next topic here, I wanted to, to bring this up. Uh, you know, me and uh, Amos have talked about this before, but this year we're gonna do, uh, of course, March Madness for the show. We're gonna do like a bracket challenge. Which we'll set up when we get closer, but we're gonna do a bracket challenge with the show, uh, and, and all the fans out there that are listening, you can uh, take me and and uh, Amos on and see if you can do better than us. Uh, you know, we'll set it up. We'll have more information later with prizes and all kinds of stuff that you guys uh, will be able to win if you can uh, if you can beat us. See if you uh, know more about it than we do. Uh, which you probably do. Last year's funny. I was gonna. Uh, <laughs> you probably will. I mean, look at the look what we did in the fantasy. Like, yeah, I, no, I will. Yeah. Right. We, uh, <laughs> last year, I had my girlfriend for the first time in her life. She set up a. Uh, she did a, a, a bracket for the first time in her entire life. I helped her out a little bit. You know, I said like, don't pick a 16 seed to beat a one seed because it's never happened. It's not going to. You know, and then the closer the seeds are, the more likely you know that team could be better. Blah blah. So she knows like nothing about college basketball uh, hardly. Uh, besides, like that's basically it. It's like don't pick a 16 seed to beat a one seed. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's basically all the information she had going in. And she had one less game than me. At the, at the end of it, she I was one better than than her, 
at the end of it all. So it shows you that you know that dumb luck sometimes definitely plays in it. But we haven't talked about the prizes yet or what we're gonna <laughs> give out or whatever. But there's definitely gonna be prizes involved. Um, you know, definitely some cool stuff that we'll be able to be able to do. Maybe some like memorabilia. Maybe like a guest spot on the show, uh, something like that. Um, but definitely excited about that. Uh, heading into hockey real quick. Get on ice here. Uh, Amos's favorite sport, hockey. Um, <laughs> we did have some good games tonight. Uh, the Washington Capitals that game just ended. They beat uh, the LA Kings um, three to one. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes beat the Winnipeg Jets 2-1 to tonight. Then a bunch of games still going on here. We have a 5-3 to lead, the Flyers, over to the New Jersey Devils with two minutes, about two minutes left to play. Five minutes left in the game. Boston and Columbus are all tied up one apiece. Uh, about 14 minutes left. Uh, Buffalo and Ottawa tied up at one apiece in the third period. The San Jose Sharks uh, leading the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 to with about nine minutes left in the third period. In the second period, with about three minutes left, uh, the St. Louis Blues leading the Dallas Stars 1-0. And then um, nearing the end of the first period, uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the Edmonton Oilers um, nodded up at a zero piece. So... Uh, not a lot. The hockey's starting to build. It's starting to get to that point uh, where we're definitely starting to see some of these teams separate uh, from the rest. Uh, starting to see, uh, you know, of course, you know, teams like uh, Chicago's been playing outstanding as of late. The the Capitals have had an excellent season. Um, definitely starting to see some teams uh, move in different directions here. Is there any teams out there? And I'll answer this first because I know that you're not the, the hockey guy here. Um, but I was going to ask, is there any teams that you think that are kind of, you know, that are going to make a run? That are, you know, right now they're kind of setting back a little bit, uh, but they're still going to be able uh, uh, to push it to make a run uh, later in the season. And I have uh, a, a, one team from the eastern side uh, and one team from the west. My team in the East, I think, is the Pittsburgh Penguins here. They have an outstanding uh, roster. They just haven't been really performing that well. But as of late, we've definitely seen Sidney Crosby come back uh, and play to form to what we're used to seeing from Sidney Crosby. Uh, they got their differential back into the plus side. Uh, you know, they did lose their last game, but in their last 10 games now, they're setting at 7 2 and 1. Uh, this is a team that's been playing really great at home. Uh, and, and it's starting to turn on. You're definitely seeing them play better uh, at this point um, than they were the rest of the season. Of course, in the Metropolitan Division, they have a lot of uh, you know competitions. Of course, Washington, as I mentioned, but the Rangers uh, definitely, and, and the Islanders, definitely no slouch of a team there. Uh, New Jersey also up there. So, you know, that little, the New Jersey, New York area uh, boasting a lot of good teams. Uh, and then, of course, Washington, who's still setting uh, at the top of uh, the entire league, uh, now by a, a pretty impressive margin. And the West here, uh, you know, looking, I'm going to say the Nashville Predators here is, it would be my team that I think, you know, they do have setting in fourth in the Central right now, so they're not in a terrible shape. Um, and I'm not. It's not that they've played great as of late, because right now the you know last ten games, they're sitting at five, three, and two. So not overly impressive, uh, not terrible, but not great. But this is a team that I think can take that next step. They do have a very talented roster, of course. You know, you saw you know they hosted the All Star game uh, this year in Nashville, and you saw they had four All Stars there. They have an excellent roster. They have the guys to be able to do it. They have an excellent defense. Uh, you know. They they need to improve on offense. I think they need to take a step forward, um, maybe make a move. Uh, but I think this is a team that could be, uh, you know, uh, making the playoffs and could be dangerous when they get there. Uh, what do you think, Amos? Oh, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> As we all know, I might as well be the Barry Melrose of hockey. 
<laughs> a sport that I know. I don't know. I've been getting a little better with it since we've been doing the show. I've been trying to. Uh, I don't know. There's going to be a hockey question tonight, so I didn't really get the chance to look. But closely glancing, and I'm not going to give reasonings because I don't know enough to do that. But for the Eastern, these teams may not be in the right conferences. This is how bad this is about to be. I'm going to go with the Rangers because I'm pretty sure that they were pretty close last year, right? Were they in a cup? Were they in the Grey Cup? Yeah, they were not the Grey Cup, cup, sorry. Stanley Cup. cup yeah, hockey fans. CFL, dude. My bad, right there, CFL. But... Give you a shout out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they, they were. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Rangers. Uh, obviously, they're a team that. Growing up, maybe not even being a hockey fan, but they were always a team that seemed to be spoken of, and they're a team that I think they've you know been in, in a bit of a drought. And I think they're going to get back there. They're a team that could be dangerous as much as I, I, I little that I watch. And with the Western, this may not be a Western Conference team, but the Predators. Yeah, Nashville, yeah. Because they seem like they're sitting back with their like 56 and 26 or something. I don't know. Something like that, but I don't know. I think they're a team that could uh, make a run. Obviously, I'm not familiar enough with the players or anything, and I don't know. I feel like a politician who just got asked about foreign policy, who's been doing like doing very small like towns of 1,500 taxes for the last 10 years. <laughs> the Rangers and Predators. <laughs> there it is. Advice from the the blind leading the blind here. <laughs> Amos Conway. Uh, I'm going to make a hockey fan out of you yet, Amos. we got one more hockey story before we move on here uh, to get you excited. There's a lot of talk uh, during, you know, before the season started, uh, you know, and then off the season about the possibility of Steven Stamkos um, with the Tampa Bay Lightning being traded, being moved um, from the Lightning, uh, you know, try to free up cap space. Uh, and I know for Amos, just to give you an idea, Stamkos is, and he's a top five player uh, probably in this, uh, in the NHL, uh, definitely, you know, uh, definitely top five goal scorer, you know, uh, and, and a guy that can really make a difference on an offense. Um, but now they're coming out, Tampa Bay Lightning's general manager, Steve Yezerman, is uh, ending that Steven Stamkos will not be traded uh, they, that they will be keeping him um, on the team. Uh, and, and just coming from me, I think this is the right move. I think that even, you know, you could get a lot for Stamkos, uh, but it's even if you do get a lot for him, it's going to be hard to re- replace a guy uh, that adds so much to your team like that. Uh, he has a high value because he's an excellent player. Um, and he, this is a guy that I think is going to continue to play at a high level for a while. So I think that it's uh, a good idea to, to keep him on right now. He is heading into the final season of his contract. Um, so, you know, he could end up going into free agency uh, at the end of the season anyway. Um, so I think that if that's the case, though, if you can't get a contract, trade him. You know, you, that's the thing with this, that uh, you still want to be able to get value out of him. You don't want him to walk away um, from your team and just leave a giant hole um, you, you want to try to trade and get some value for him. The trade deadline for the NHL is February 29th. So, Amos, I know you're not a hockey fan, uh, but you do understand uh, the free agency and, and the, the way the sports markets work here. Um, you know, you have a guy that's going to be free at the end of the year. They're saying that they're not going to trade him. Uh, you know, they, they have uh, tried to talk contract negotiations, but neither uh, has come uh, very close. Uh, to making the deal. What do you think is a smart move here for them to do? Uh, I feel like Captain America and the Avengers, where he's like, oh, no, I get that reference. But <laughs> I think, yeah, I know. I think you got to keep him because I, I, I we actually, we just talked kind of about the same thing with Kirk Cousins. The, to where you're not, like, Kirk Cousins has proved that he can play in the league. Sam Coase has had, obviously, more time to do that. He's got, like, almost 300 goals in six years, I do believe, is what we talked about yesterday, or, like, five or something. But here's the thing. Is, is it worth getting rid of him or trading him when – because here's the thing. With the NHL, 
I don't think it's like basketball or baseball or football that I'm aware of to where there's always going to be those one or two guys who you're going to get undrafted, you're going to bring in who, you know, haven't proved anything. All of a sudden they're going to step up and be solid for you for years to come. I think it's a league to where if you have a good player, you have a solid scorer, you got to pay him. You got to try to keep him. Do what you can to keep him on that team. Because are you going to attack, attract other good players, but you're going to attract a bigger fan base. You're going to bring people in who it's Tampa Bay. So you got the Rays and you got the Bucks. I mean, this is a chance for you to, I don't think you're ever going to be as big as the other two, but this is a chance for you to kind of catch up a little bit and be like, oh, Tampa Bay does have a good team. And yes, it is a professional team. So I think this is a chance for you to do that. I don't think trading him is worth it unless you know contracts just aren't going to go anywhere. If you're to the point where negotiations are going nowhere and you know you're not going to resign him, yeah, you got to trade him. You got to get the value. But if there's a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, you got to take it. You got to ride with it. You got to try to keep him. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree here. I, I think that you should try to keep him. Yeah, that's what you should try to do is try to sign him to a longer deal. He's a guy that uh, is very exciting to watch. He's gonna sell tickets. He's gonna sell jerseys. Uh, he's gonna help you win games. You know, since Stamkos has been there, you know, and and, and uh, you know had the impact that he's had. This team's been a regular fixture in the playoffs, uh, and that's gonna continue if they can keep him in there and keep building around him. Uh, you know, players that have that kind of ability are the kind of players that can take you to a cup. Uh, we had a text in here from a Tampa Bay fan that said, please, for the love of God, re-sign Stamkos. So uh, definitely the fan base being heard from tonight. Um, we did the speed round last uh, last time for the first time ever, a little speed round. So I got a short speed round for you. Um, All right. So... Some of the topics that we got here. So you ready for this, uh, for this, Amos? I'm bringing the heat. So do. Pound in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> um, next time, I should have done this. Next time, it's going to be all hockey questions. <laughs> uh, no, but here we go. <laughs> uh, first thing, of course, uh, probably close to your heart, is uh, Mayo from the Patriots. Uh, only 29 years old, retiring from the NFL. What's your reaction to this? Um, a lot kind of low what I see with Patrick Willis. I don't know if Mayo was necessarily the caliber of Patrick Willis by any means, but I think he's been a staple with that team. He's been a captain, been a great leader. He's been a guy who's helped probably been a big part of Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins' development. And, you know, for him to walk away where he's at, knowing that he's probably not going to be a starter again since New England kind of has leaned towards that almost that 4-2-5 kind of ordeal with their defensive line, linebackers, and their secondary. And I think it's a good move, and I think he will be successful in whatever he does. He was our, I can't remember the year, but seventh overall pick out of Tennessee. And we got that pick, I do believe, from Oakland. He's been nothing but great for us, and I wish him nothing but the best. All right, moving on next here. Uh if they fought today, uh, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm rematch, who would win? Holly Holm. I think she's more focused on her fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to argue with that one there. Um, the Of course, right now, uh, it's easy to see that the Big 12 is the best uh, conference in basketball, uh, in college basketball. Who do you think sets in second as far as the conferences go? Oh, man. I'm actually going to go with... That's uh, it's a solid one. I'm going to go with the ACC. I think there's just there's a lot of good teams, man. ACC is always a, a basketball group that's always up there, always seem doing, doing very well. And with just, I mean, oh, my God. That's a great question. I'm going to go with the ACC, but I think the Big East could be close there, too. Dwight, the the trade deadline for the NBA is coming up here. Do we see Dwight Howard uh, move to again to a different team? No, I think it's going to happen in free agency. I don't think he's going to. I I don't think he benefits any other team going there and try to all of a sudden change your offense to work around Dwight Howard. All right, good answer there. Um, all right. 
who is going to be the starting quarterback week one for the Denver Broncos? Hmm. I think it'll be Osweiler. I think, I think a deal will get done with him. But it, it, I don't know. At this, I mean, there's so many like speculation out there now to where like, did Osweiler cut the negotiations? Did Denver? I've heard players say that Denver, you know, the upper management kind of like realized that maybe we don't need Osweiler because of our defense. So they're, you know, maybe we just pick a game manager in here. But I, it would shock me if it wasn't like this. Yeah. All right, next we had Steve Cunningham on last week. Does Steve Cunningham, uh, do we see him win another title in his lifetime? Oh. Oh, man, this is going <laughs> to put me on the spot, but I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. Damn, no love for USS there. Cold-blooded, Amos. All right, moving on uh, to Amos' favorite here. We got a hockey or a couple of questions here for you. Um, is it is uh, Washington Capitals? Is it Stanley Cup or Bar Bust at this point? Yeah, yeah. I because as high of a level as Ovechkin plays, what he can do, how he affects that team, it's with anything. It seems like he's been in the league forever, and I, I do. I think that it's. I think every year. From here on out, it's championship or bus. I think you got to get that championship back to Washington. All right, here's the next one. Uh, Yammer Yager turned 44, of course, uh, yesterday. Uh, best ageless wonder in the history of sports? Yes, and I'm going to say this for this reason is because of the brutality of the sport in which he plays and maintaining the level he has. A lot of people say Adam Vinatieri, but hey, like, how many times does a kicker get hit? Good point there. Um, one last question here. Uh, tomorrow night, it looks like I'm going to go back to hosting uh, the, the par for discourse. So, so best host par for discourse, Peter or me? <laughs> oh, it's got to be you. Uh, is Peter going? Uh, is he going over to Europe to sell some memorabilia back to the homeland? <laughs> I think I couldn't decide. Is he like, is he gonna talk trash on Peter for for losing last week, or is he gonna try to butter me up since I'm hosting tomorrow? <laughs> Either way, you picked the right one. Um, that's all we have for tonight. Thanks for listening, uh, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for everybody who texted into the show. Um, and, of course, thanks to my co-host here, Amos Conway. Uh, we have a show for you, of course, the game show, Par for the Scores, on tomorrow night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It uh, looks like we're going to have uh, a very, very, very special guest with you uh, as Peter is out this week um, uh, with family. So, we, you know, we have Mitch coming in from uh, Jock Journal. Uh, always ha- awesome to have him on, even though he is a Pittsburgh fan. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, and then it looks like we're going to have a very special Also guest with the uh, – oh. No, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, man. I'm, I apologize. I was going to say, uh, for all our fans and listeners out there, make sure you stay tuned in. I'm working on something currently, and we may have a uh, couple big announcements coming up, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Working on growing the show, working on getting some big names here soon, very big names here soon uh, on, on the show. Uh, very exciting stuff uh, in the works. Uh, but make sure you come back tomorrow night at 9, Eastern, or 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and we'll be on – with the Par for Discourse show, of course, Thursday night, uh, we have, uh, you know, the show. I'm not exactly we're going to be doing Thursday night, but it'll be fun, I'm sure. And then Friday, the the free for all. Uh, thank you all for listening, and have a very good night. Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.